Namaste, motherfuckers. Welcome to Tantric Conversation, episode number 91. Ashley Smith Omera. Omira. Maybe it's Omira. <clears throat> Hi. Hey. It's been two, almost two years since I've posted a podcast. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a sad thing because I was so stoked about doing this for a long time and I wanted to be part of a conversation. Ooh, we need to turn that down a little. I wanted to engage, to put something out there, be part of a conversation. And then the way things have been for the last few years, I haven't felt like it very much. I mean, here and there, put something out there. But now, I feel like, okay, this is, uh, nothing's changing, it's just getting worse, so um, why punish myself and not do my podcast, you know, I'm being like a little spoiled brat, take my ball and go home. So, here we are, we're back, and this podcast is going to be one, part one of four, because Ashley and I talked for four hours. She came over here with her daughter, Sophie, and and she and I got to talking, and we just kept going, and, and Sophie did not dig it. She ended up taking a nap on the floor in the studio, and, and uh, Ashley and I kept talking, and those are the rules. I mean, I, I flirted with the idea of like breaking this down, like editing it and making a one-hour podcast out of it, but the rules I set for this podcast a long time ago, I see no reason to change, and you know, I even ran it by a couple of people who listen regularly. And, they're all like, well, just, you know, I thought the rule was you, whatever you record, you post. So that's what we're doing. We're going to post all four hours of it, but one hour at a time. So I got the next four episodes. And I, I've got some other episodes in the can that I have not posted. They, going back a while, like this guy, Josh, I can't even remember his fucking last name. They used to practice here with a band. And I got Pedro Aida in the can here and there's one or two others on the hard drive of this computer that I just never got around to posting I recorded them but it's time to haul them out record some more you know I got this great space out here this great studio and I just end up watching Netflix in the house all the time and other people are out here playing music and practicing and I'm getting paid for them to use the space but I'm not using it so I could bring my ass out here and use it. Um, you know, I, re- I recorded an intro for this last weekend, and I got very emotional about the mentality of the people that I see taking direct action right now. But since recording that, I've kind of changed my mind, and I don't know if it's the new medication I'm on or all of various other factors of things I'm doing, but I think I'm just going to let, I'm just going to step back and observe all of this. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I clearly agree with the reasons why people are out in the street. I totally agree with that. I, the idea though of this, you know, these confrontations with your neighbors and destroying your neighbor's property and all of that kind of stuff, I, I've had a real problem with that, but you know, the more I think about it, the more, the more I'm like, you know, I, 
I guess I see the point. It's got to make everybody uncomfortable enough that we make this urgent enough that we stop denying it and deal with it. So, all right. Um, I'm not going to go out there, but um, I'm going to do my own thing. And one of those things is this podcast. And I guess we'll talk about things like this. Um, I, I noticed that I have gotten myself very hung up on, I guess, semantics, language, actions, all of this. And I, I'm personally sort of missing the forest for the trees because I've always been a lefty. I've always been someone who advocates for equal rights for people of color and women. Um, I've always believed in that. I've always voted that way. I also think, really think it's important that we do some serious um, reformation to the fact that people can be billionaires and pay people minimum wage to work for them. I am a big fan of overhauling, you know, that kind of thing. Um, don't want to do away with capitalism. I think capitalism is a great motivator overall, but it, we really need to do some socialist work with capitalism. I'm, I'm a big fan of a blend. Um, you know, I'm not a big fan of people being exploited. I've been exploited. And uh, I don't dig it. <laughs> and I, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a thing that we should be accepting anymore. Um, but you know, having said all of that, I'm so much more focused on the inner work. You know, like seeing myself as a, as, a, as I've mentioned before, uh, a cell in this greater organism of the human race, and wanting to be just the best, you know, component of so society, family, household relationship all of that kind of stuff that I can be and that's that's what I've done a lot I've spent a lot of my time on just fixing Curtis so Curtis ain't a problem to other people I've fo focused a lot on changing my perceptions of reality and changing and questioning the things that I react to and how I react to them and that has gotten a lot of my attention and I have felt like that's what everybody should be doing. You know, it's kind of like John Lennon said, you know, you better free your mind instead in the song Revolution. But, you know, that's that's not everybody's thing. That's not everybody's way. And I have to accept that that's part of me working on my way is to accept the fact that people got different ways of going about stuff. And I need to accept it. Um, although I'm going to keep advocating for what I believe, which is that the greatest revolution is evolution and that we should all be working on evolving you know toward love and compassion and understanding and oneness and seeing ourselves as all one big family the human race and acting accordingly and uh, you know that's what we'll talk about and that's what I'll keep trying to do is just try to be the best person I could be and like the last podcast I think I in the intro I was talking about being the peace you know, and I really, I didn't want things to come to this and I didn't want things to get so chaotic out in the streets, but they have, and I'm accepting this and I need to, I want to have faith that this is leading to something ultimately better for people that need it to be better for them. So Ashley, I didn't even tell you anything about Ashley. So I met Ashley at a, my friend Todd and Libby's regifting party at, uh, their house last Christmas, and uh, I thought she was really cool. She just seemed, I mean, I thought she was interesting looking, kind of looked like a um, Mayan princess to me, but not 
not a princess per se. I mean, she was she looked like a tough kind of no nonsense person, but yet a warm and and sort of um, inviting kind of person. And I had a really cool conversation with her there. And then I've had a lot of cool conversations with her recently. And I really appreciate how she engages in online dialogues with people, even people that like she clearly doesn't agree with. She's always very respectful and loving towards others and you know if she's angry I can't tell you know um I think she's just a you know kind of a wonderful person and um and it has been you know kind of comforting to me to talk to her in these times uh you know I feel like I can relate well to her and where she's coming from and I feel like she doesn't just dismiss my perspective out of hand um as a middle-aged white dude which I always appreciate not being dismissed out of hand um but yeah, she's a professional poker player, and unfortunately, even though I wrote it down in front of me on a tablet, and I was like, let's talk about poker. I'm trying to remind myself. It still didn't happen. We talked about like all kinds of other aspects of her life and my life and life in general. We never got to poker, but um, she's somebody that makes her living playing poker, so that's a very interesting thing, and that was a you know big, also a big reason why I wanted her on here, but unfortunately... As so often happens with this podcast, the conversation takes on a life of its own, and I don't stop it. So let's check it out. I My mother said there's uh, nothing in this world meaner than an adolescent girl. We're bracing for it, aren't we, kiddo? <laughs> She's got a little ways to go, right? <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. But it's been uh, it's been something I've thought about since I heard it's a girl. So because <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, I remember. So my sister, she's ten years younger than me, and she is seriously the sweetest, kindest, just beautiful soul you'll meet mm -hmm. and at 11 years old she turned into a raging you know what and I was like <laughs> if it can happen to my sister it can happen to anyone so I've been definitely bracing for that moment and you know we're super you know close right now and and very attached and I'm just like I'm just going to continue to embrace this and appreciate it even though you know I get like this much space in the bed these days mm -hmm. uh, it's like okay Come and you on. are being recorded now, so for posterity, when you get a little bit older, we'll be able to go back and listen to this. Yeah, and yeah. I, I understand, even though I obviously have no experience with this, that it's some. I've, I had the experience of seeing my mother and my sister sure. go that this counts. route, yeah. like very close. You know, love each other, awesome, and then they're going to kill each other. Yes. Like my sister's about fourteen, fifteen, and like. My mom was like, one of like she was like at some point I thought one of us wasn't gonna make it out alive, you know. It's and true. It's I it, it I think there's a thing that has to happen, like where we are we and our parents, even though we have the bond of love and blood and family, we also have to repel each other mm -hmm. so that we don't stay stuck together right. in a certain way. Like it's part of the whole launching for sure developmental thing it's, there has to be friction leaving the nest right? right it's like some of the some of the birds i don't remember exactly which ones now we just heard a, a story recently where you know the the mama bird drops the chickens to the ground and they just they're not chickens sorry they dropped the, i'm thinking chickens we went to pick up chicken feed today but uh <laughs> they dropped the birdies to the ground and the birdies are out there you know confused and lost and then 
you know, they'll watch them and make sure they're okay, but they have to, you know, it's it's before they're able to fly. So mm-hmm. they're kind of just out there fending for themselves, yeah. but they're being protected. They just don't necessarily know that. So yeah, it's uh it's it's interesting to think that you know, it's all part of that independence, leaving the nest uh, mentality. Or, or yeah, and the, there are so many things that are like in us like that that have nothing to do with our so-called free will, like our consciousness. There's just built-in stuff, built-in programming. Absolutely. I was thinking about that uh, <clears throat> that thing about the mean adolescent girl thing, and I it popped into my head that maybe it's got something to do with like you know, although by the time you're 13 or 14, you're technically, as far as nature's concerned, like ready, you know? Right. Um, you're not maybe mentally ready. Mm-hmm. And so women at that age need to be basically fending off <laughs> any For possible. Sure. That's why they got to be so mean to, <laughs> you know, adolescent boys because, yeah. you know, they don't want them anywhere near them at that point, even though, you know, the sort of the uh, equipment is prepared. Like it's not really time, Most you know. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that makes total sense. Yeah, I, I hadn't thought of it from that angle, but it's just amazing how much is already embedded in us, right? Just, mm-hmm. just human nature. We talk about the, the effects of nature, you know, everywhere, and, mm-hmm. and so many lessons throughout nature, and those lessons are even within us. Right. We are still part of we nature. We are natural. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, and what we do is natural. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing to recognize when we talk about what we're doing to the planet, you know, that, that this is, this is stuff in our nature, mm-hmm. you know, that is making us do this. It's not, it's something that's been with people forever. Like people have wrecked ecosystems when they move into them, even agriculture wrecked ecosystems. Mm-hmm. You know, we, I read this great book about how like it was this great revolution to have the agrarian revolution start growing stuff, but we also got rid of a whole bunch of other edible species of plants mm-hmm. in favor of like a handful of them, like right. wheat, corn, rice, and sure. whatever. And like we used to just walk around from place to place and eat what was in season. And it, you know, was like kind of a natural crop rotation kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it could, this could grow back while we moved on to that, you know, so that everything kind of comes with this, uh, there's a benefit and a liability, mm-hmm. all the human advancement stuff. Sure. But we have to recognize we haven't gone awry. We haven't gone wrong. We're just we're out of balance. Like right. this is the thing we naturally do, but we gotta come up with a another plan. Definitely. At least that's my theory. Yeah, no, I agree. And um I think you nailed it balance, right? Balance is a fundamental pillar that we always must uh make sure is intact anytime we try to progress or make change or just go forward. I mean, balance is just, it's so important, really. Mm-hmm. It really is. So that is a very, very solid point. Um, One of my I favorite know. writers said that, and don't confuse balance with symmetry. Right, absolutely. That, <laughs> for sure. Like, and he was talking about a character who used to have two giant thumbs. And like she was a hitchhiker. And this is kind of a fanciful thing. But um, at some point, she gets one of her thumbs fixed. And then she still has one of the big ones. And someone says, well, now you're balanced. You know, right. and don't confuse balance with symmetry. Right. You know. Definitely. I think, And I think, unfortunately, for whatever reason, a lot of people do grow up thinking that symmetry 
is balanced. I remember uh, very vividly, I don't remember much from elementary school, but I remember very vividly this art teacher who was trying to teach us the notion of symmetry. Mm-hmm. And she had us, you know, do something with a face. I just remember very, very vividly, you know, we were using construction paper and cutting out pieces and it had to be symmetrical. And I just remember always being so confused about that because I was <laughs> like, your face is not, nobody's face is symmetrical. That's right. why there's a good side and there's a bad side. <laughs> Their face is not symmetrical. And yet somehow we have been brought up with this mentality that, there is symmetry when it's not. And the symmetry is symmetry. beautiful, right? Right. Too. Like that's the essence of it. And um, th- these notions of perfection that are like kind of unattainable and only like apply to a handful of people. Right. Yeah, yeah no. I mean, I, I think it's important to embrace being imperfect because mm-hmm. then that means you're still on your journey. And, and that's, you know, in essence, the fun of life, right? Mm-hmm. Is that learning and growing, ideally with as minimal pain as possible. But you know, we're all here to, to learn and grow right. and uh, and share those experiences to then help others learn and grow, right? right? I mean, I think about a lot of my personal learning and growing and how a lot of it has been done from experiencing other people's experiences. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, I haven't had to experience that for myself, but I was able to learn by hearing somebody else mm-hmm give me their experience and knowing, oh, I need to go down that path or, oh, I need to avoid doing right. that. You exactly. Know? So, um, and that's why I think it's it's also really important to come together and share stories because there's there's so much that can happen um, w- when we connect in that way. So. Yeah, and that is, that is a really, I'm sorry, I heard a low-end hum and I don't know what that was. It might have been a car. Did you hear it? No, I was mid- Mid making my point. Mid making so, your point. Yeah. Here, I'm sorry. My ADD will kick in if I start hearing something. So trust me, you don't want me to hear it. I'll be like, where, what, what, why? <laughs> yeah, it's um, you know, I with with all that's going on right now, that it's reached a uh, like a physical manifestation of this growth. You know, because like I've kind of tended to look at the country as imperfect, like a person mm. that's making progress. For sure. But, uh, you know, I think for a lot of people right now, it's like, nah, it's not making progress. Mm. It's it's exactly the same as it's always been. And it needs to immediately change completely, you know. And I've, you know, and a lot of my, I don't want to call it devil's advocate. It's not really a position. It's more of a perspective Mm -hmm. by being a person that had to kind of tear myself down to the studs and start over again about 10 years ago. And the things that were put in my head, it was like, you know, first of all, you don't carry shame for what you did before. Right. You make amends. You mm-hmm. get that. Absolutely. You clean up your side of the street. Right. And then you every day work towards not being like that anymore, right. you know. And and it's, pro- you know, we there's a line in the whole secret society I belong to. That's um, we claim. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Not supposed to say it. I'm not supposed to say it at the level of press, radio, and film. Oh no! Okay, tell tell me. Tell me. I want to know. Well, you know, it it is a 12-step affiliation. Lovely. And there's a line that's we claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. Sure. And we and then there's this this other sentiment later on that it's like we do not wish we do not shut the door on the past. Or wish to, we do not wish to deny the past or shut the door on it, something like that. Mm-hmm. We will see how our experience can benefit others, mm-hmm. no matter how far down the scale we've gone. Like, that's one of our, 
kind of uh, refrains that we kind of go back to. And, um, and so I tend to look at all of this through that lens mm -hmm. because it's been very beneficial to me to not, to not go, I'm a bad person, right. but that I had issues, you know, that I have <laughs> certain imbalances that I had to bring into balance mm -hmm. because they manifested in too much drinking, too much drug use, you know, and then a whole lot of selfish, crummy behavior around trying to maintain that lifestyle, right. you know, that like, you know, kind of soured my relations with people, you know, uh, luckily it did not result in a, um, any permanent records, you know, just, just a bad brand, <laughs> you know, sure. I, I got, I've always been good at talking my way out of situations. So I didn't wind up with those kinds of consequences though. I got close, but quite a skill set. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah a good the, one gift, to have. the gift of gab. It's yeah, very important. It is. It is. Important. My brother would be the number one uh, champion at that in my, in my experience. Mm -hmm. So just being able to talk his way out and through things, you know, and it's a gift. I mean, that's communication, right? We always emphasize the importance of communication. I mean, there's there's definitely power in communication. Absolutely. So. That's what you started off saying. Right. Is that, you know, one hominid, you know, one member of our species can have an experience mm -hmm. and maybe that experience is how to make a stone axe, right. you know, or that experience is how to find the good watering hole or how not to fall off that cliff you know, sure. or whatever. What and, plants to not eat. <laughs> right, exactly. And that's one of our great gifts is our ability to communicate with each other and then to have a repository for those stories and to agree on the veracity, mm -hmm. you know, the truth of those stories, the quality of those stories, you know, the non-fakeness of the news. For sure. You know, yeah. and like, so we, you know, if we can trust the source, then we can get a lot. Mm -hmm. through this kind of communication. Unfortunately, you know, one of the big things that America created was advertising. Mm. <laughs> and it's not really about truth. No, no. I <laughs> mean, know? it's it's amazing, actually. So my background, um, you know, I always saw myself as an entrepreneur when I, I remember being in Mexico and in in Mexico, they used to, growing up in Mexico, they used to always have, you know, oh, collect your Coca-Cola tops and give two pesos and you mm -hmm. can get the yelocos, or you can get this or that. You know, you could always consume some type of nasty food, mm -hmm. collect your your you know your your wrappings of the food, right, and then go turn it purchase, in. Yeah, right. and then go turn it in and get some like cool toy that then became collectibles. And so I remember, you know, from from that moment, I became a mini entrepreneur because I I had a actually uh, our our maid uh, she you know, live with us, but she also had her house with her family that, and she was my abuela's neighbor, but she, uh, had family that worked at the Coca-Cola factory. Mm -hmm. So, you know, once a week, once every two weeks, when she would go back to that house, her house, technically her house, um, she would bring me back like a huge bag full of Coca-Cola tops. Mm -hmm. And then I'd go down to the corner store with her and we turn in these Coca-Cola tops and some pesos that I'm not going to tell you how I got those pesos, but mm -hmm. you know, my child is here. Let's just say they weren't <laughs> the very ethical routes. Mm -hmm. Uh, but anyways, or like, legal, maybe yeah, it was in my house and my family. <laughs> so, um, you know, but needless to say, I always paid it back. But the point mm -hmm. was I needed that seed money. So I would go get, you know, trade in, trade in uh, the tops of the Coca-Colas and some money and get these yelocos, which were like 
little plastic figurines with different shapes and you know there were rare ones there were common ones but the point was they were collectibles it was the hype everybody wanted them and i would go to school and sell them trade them i mean it was good business entrepreneur slash hustle right right and then i did that with (laughs) beanie babies i remember and then pokemon cards and like i was like legit making like decent money and i knew Mm -hmm. i knew i understood the the value and the demand Mm -hmm. so i always thought okay well i'm i'm a businesswoman you know Mm -hmm. so then i go to high school and i joined deca which is a marketing association for students and fbla and so i'm learning all about marketing and I'm thinking, oh, marketing is amazing. Marketing's great. It was like my first immersion into like what marketing actually was. And as a as a youth, you know, very um, gung ho and, and and innocent, if you will, I just thought it was the most amazing thing. You know, mm-hmm. wow, like what what a powerful world. And then then I started working in that field yeah. and realizing it is mere manipulation. And now we see it today, it the way it's be. evolved with psychoanalytics. Right. And, you know, the, the I guess what I want to say is at the end of the day, humans are very programmable species. We're mm-hmm. very programmable. And, um, you know, what programs me might not program you, but at the end of the day, we can acquire the data to program each other and and that's a really scary notion for me going forward um i don't know if that's just the evolution between uh you know how we're going to integrate technology with humanity because that's happening whether we want it to happen or not that's that's the next evolutionary phase i see happening um but this this ability to like literally program our brains is a bit a bit scary especially as you mentioned you know discerning between what's real what's not what's fact what's fiction you know we see it in every element Mar- marketing and advertising is everywhere it's mm-hmm. not just through consumption of of consumer goods but it's of our news sources our our philosophies our you know political affiliations i mean mm-hmm. you know no matter what we're doing humans are consuming we yeah. we consume that's just our nature in essence right um and so it's it's a very interesting evolution in in, in my opinion and mm-hmm. you know i think that's where we integrate another foundational pillar, in my opinion, which would be awareness, is having yeah. that awareness. You know, if mm-hmm. you know that we're a programmable species, well then you gotta be more open-minded, right. don't you think? Mm-hmm. And, and really have an understanding of what critical reasoning and critical thinking is, but also being open and, mm-hmm. and knowing that, you know, the truth is always somewhere in the middle. And, um, and yeah, yeah, so it's just, it, to me, it's just, it's fascinating to have these scientific discoveries. And yet, uh, many people still kind of sleepwalk through all of those discoveries. Yeah. And I, I mean, just like, you know, we are programmable. That is that we are, we are designed to, to buy into stories, mm-hmm. you know, and these stories that keep our tribes to ke- together or have kept our tribes together and have kept large amounts of people, 350 million people in this country, basically getting along, you know, yeah. on, because we bought in to a story of an identity, which, you know, is a construct. I mean, it's not, it's not that it's a lie, but sure. it was just, a, you know, a story. And like, and then as you get a little older, you find out the parts, you know, the back story mm-hmm. of the story. Right. And then you have to go through this period of like, well, does that mean it's all BS? It's all hypocrisy? Or does that mean that like with every story, like my story, with any individual story, there is some, there are either detours or wrong steps or going down the wrong road. And then you learn, you, you know better and you modify 
descent with modification as uh, I think Charles mm -hmm. Darwin called evolution, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but we, we need to buy into these stories. But what it seems to me, and I've been paying attention to this shit too a while like you, I think. Like at some point when I was living in New York, I realized that even though I thought I was a pretty in-the-know kind of discerning hip 22-year-old, when I moved to New York, I realized there was a whole lot of stuff of all kinds, you know, pop culture, food, you know, attitudes, behaviors, all this kind of stuff that was not got was not getting to me because mm -hmm. I lived in Richmond, Virginia, and there was a fairly specific sort of pop culture curation going on. Unless you went to Plan 9 and got friendly with, you know, a guy that worked there, you really wouldn't know about any bands unless they were on the radio or being written sure. about in mainstream music stuff. Right. And that went for just like kind of everything, you know. And I also realized that like what you look at as fashion has bubbled up from a whole bunch of stuff on the street level, mm -hmm. you know, that all these people, entrepreneurs, all the stylist designers have come up with stuff usually in some underground place. Mm -hmm. And then the big fashion houses co-opted, you know, appropriated would be the you oh, know yeah. word of today. And, you know, it's there's cultural appropriation. There's um, there's just like uh i guess i guess we usually talk about culture when it comes to like eth you know ethnic culture sure. but it's also just the culture of the kids who are downtown versus the upper east side For you know sure. or yeah. whatever and they got a different culture than yeah. somebody oh, yeah. um and so i started you know this is you know what this is this is oz like in the wizard of mm -hmm. oz you know that like there's some old men behind the curtain right here you know, they own Condé Nast, they own Viacom, they own all this, the MTV, they own Rolling Stone, they own Details. They own just like everything that's telling everybody in America who they want to be. Mm -hmm. and, and we all think we're choosing, but we're only choosing from this little selection. You can have this, this, or this. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and sure. we don't even, so we pick the alternate kid and we don't even realize that that's a, that's a template as right. well. Absolutely. You know, you got them all over the country. You got the same horn rim glasses wearing dudes and the, you know, mm -hmm. the girls with the short bangs and the, every, <laughs> we're all conforming to something. Right. And that was all prescribed. And it's not, the propaganda is not coming from the government. It's actually coming from the people who really control the government, the people that are trying to sell you right. stuff. Right, right. And when I figured that out, I was real mad at first. I was like, wow, we're all being manipulated. Mm -hmm. These people are just sitting up in a clock tower you know, drawing a bead on us, right. you know, yeah. and, and and they're telling us who to be not. They're not trying to figure out who we are so they can sell t something to us. They're trying to make us be who they can sell things to, yeah. you know, and I was pretty against marketing and advertising for a while. I, I said fashion is fascism. Yeah. You know, sure. <laughs> telling yeah. everybody what they got to wear, you know, and how kids will be so brutal to each other. Poor kids will be so brutal to each other because they come to school and, you know, less than stellar clothing and then their parents are going to go take $150 they don't got to buy them tennis shoes so they won't get crap at school right. and we're all participating in that like it's but then I realized there is stuff valuable stuff that you want to hear about you know like I, I do want to hear about a good line of clothing that's responsibly sourced and you know maybe a fair trade coffee sure. that's out there and that's also marketing that's also com communication you know, and it's so it's down to what you do with it. None of these things are inherently bad. Right. It's it's how they manifest. It's how, how they're imbalanced. How, 
people apply them. Also how we interpret it, right? Mm -hmm. You know, because I mean, I agree with what you're saying. I want to know. And, um, and, you know, as a mom, I'm keenly aware of the rhetoric that's used to make the, the big light go off like, oh yeah, I want this. This is Mm -hmm. what I want. You know, you think about, for example, the words natural, oh, natural, that's what we want. Mm -hmm. Um, even, even non GMO, right? Like what does that actually mean? What does organic mean? What does sustainable mean? Everyone, everyone wants to talk about sustainable. And anytime I listen to Pandora, cause I'm really, let's, let's be clear. I'm not really a consumer. Right. I consume very little. Um, so I don't really even know what, is being shown on commercials. I mean, I really, the extent of my commercials might be some YouTube videos mm-hmm. and uh, and Pandora. And then what we see while we're out and about, but as far, you know, I don't really listen to the radio, but, but when I do, you know, I hear these buzzwords. And so I'm keenly aware, especially as a mom, because we talk about it, we point it out and we talk about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's funny because I agree, we, there's things we want to know. And there's mm-hmm. things I'd love to be introduced to, but I think the power resides in it happening organically instead of being orchestrated, you know? Yeah. And, um, and well, we all are responsible for curating this stuff for sure for ourselves. Yeah. Like we got to step back and we got to, I mean, when I was learning to be a writer in, um, high school, we had this book called, uh, I think it was just called composition and rhetoric. Maybe it was like an AP writing class. And they said, never go with the first word that occurs to you. Mm you know Mm -hmm. and like i've applied that ever since and i don't i don't think i'm rebelling as much as i'm just following that advice that like if it's too easy it's too obvious and it's clearly like what somebody else wants you to think for their own ends and and unfortunately that applies to every there is no ideology that isn't doesn't fall prey to that because humans are always behind them and humans love power whether they're aware of it or not Mm -hmm. you know and like so you always you have to question everything from any leader you know even if you agree with that leader on principle you still got to question them you you know you still have to be discerning of what they're saying but we have a hard time now because we're all advertising ourselves Mm -hmm. like something that was bugging me last night when i was falling asleep I, i mean i love all of these shots of that people are showing of the various monuments and all the things the manifestations of what's going on out in the street but then there's all of these series of people standing in front of those things, taking selfies, like they're tourists at this moment in time, mm-hmm. you know, that they're like, they're working on their brand even now mm-hmm. while this is going on. I need you to see me out here doing this. Right. Like this kid I know posted a picture of him and his friend at the river, with their shirts off and their sunglasses on looking cool. And they're like, come hang out at the river before the protest tonight. And I'm like, that That seems like you're just talking about before the show right. tonight, before we go to the rock show, you know, before we go to the festival. And, like, I'm not calling bullshit on the event, but I'm saying, well, look at us. Like, we are so programmed now because of social media and our own personal Facebook accounts and our Instagram accounts to be constantly ma- uh, managing our image, even at a time like this. And then when it's like that, it's starting to fall into... Hey, comrade, right. I'm down with what you're down with, comrade. Like we're all, you know, there's this very obvious like attempt to show that we are all, we're on the same team, right. you know, like secret handshake and all that. And I don't think that's the goal 
here. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, it's it, it is highly frustrating in, in many ways to see that. Um, and I've struggled even in relationships and friendships that I have. You know, it's like the message is important. So can you just step back and realize it's not about you for right. two seconds? For two seconds, nobody cares what you personally we don't need to are hear doing. your hot take exactly on it. <laughs> exactly you know it's it's wonderful i'm i'm so glad but like what are we doing tell me what are we doing what right. are we doing from a legislative like tell me what we're doing that actually affects more than just me and the people that i know personally tell me tell me what are we doing from a legislative standpoint from a community you know actual act, activism standpoint right. from uh, you know, just unity perspective because mm -hmm. it's not, you know, I always tell people, oh, well, Ashley, what do you think about this? They ask me. I'm like, it doesn't matter what I think. I could sit here and tell you what I think. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I'm just a small vessel of, you know, energy in this time and space. And I'm not relevant. But what I do know is that I'm helping build tomorrow. Yeah. And that's what's important. You know, we're helping to, to lay the foundation or I suppose at this point we're hoping to remove the the wound, you know, or remove the the bandages that are on top of these wounds. Yeah, I think and this, air it's like out, it's know? kind of like a bullet wound where they didn't get the shr the slug Absolutely. out and they just kind of stitched it up and put a bandage on it. Right. I mean, that's I don't know if I was telling you this, but that's how I've, I've always felt about Richmond. Sure. That like this place has you know two major wounds in it, just the land. You know, mm, first absolutely. there's what's done to the native people that were here mm -hmm. and how they were run off. And, you know, the story goes when they were run off, they turned around and said, no maize will grow right. here. Have yes, you heard that before? I have. It's, yeah. uh, it's the curse. Eerie. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. and, and one has to think, you know, wow, that might have some validity behind it. Oh, I think um, it does. And, I, you know, I've come to believe more and more in, in magic like that. Oh, yeah. Like if enough per people put an intention like that on a place that it could affect the energy of this place. And it could be this place already had some bad sure. energy. Sure. But I mean, that happening to the native people that were here and then obviously the uh, transatlantic trade, slave trade mm -hmm. and people being brought here on boats and sold down at the farmer's market right. and kept in a jail right nearby, which can hardly be called a jail. It was like, right. you know, like, a, I mean, it was like if, if that's a jail in a concentration camp, was a jail exactly basically and, and those people were just thrown in the ground right over there you know when they died and i mean and the city gallows was right there mm -hmm. you know like that's where gabriel was hung and like so all of that ground over there is like it's like this the equivalent of like you know cursed ground Absolutely. you know and i think a major thing is that we got to heal that you know, so the you know, like, and right now I think what we're doing is we're like, we're ripping off all of the scabs and scars and like going down and like, look, the bullet's still in here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the arrow is still in here. Right, <laughs> like right. It's still like embedded in this thing. And it's embedded in it in like a bunch of different ways. I mean, it's embedded mythologically, mentally, like culturally, practically. Like if you, you know, it's almost like what they say about witchcraft or, or magic, whatever you gain from it, you pay for it five times over. Mm -hmm. So this free labor that was gotten by Europeans for 400 years and then Americans for 150 years mm -hmm. or 100 years, you know, because the country became America in like 1776. Sure. But this was all obviously going on before that. Mm -hmm. 
we're paying yeah. <laughs> for all that everyone's paying for what those guys the spanish the english the french the dutch all of those mm -hmm. guys that came over here and made money off of free labor right. you know we're all paying for that right. and they, we continue to pay for it in a practical sense but we pay for it in a spiritual sense we're paying for it and it's like we got to figure out some way to exercise you know this demon like get this demon out of the ground like get it out of us right. you know and maybe that bringing the statues down is a good place to start you know Definitely. but it's also telling the truth about it not sugarcoating it and, yeah no you were you were mentioning all the different ways and i think one that i did not hear that i am very passionate about is the economic Mm -hmm. healing as well that must take place and so i will share the unpopular but i think it needs to be heard opinion where reparations are a must mm -hmm. you know we hear in this movement um many comparisons to the 60s or even with you know what jewish folks had to deal with which are all very you know sad tragic yet pivotal points in our in our history and one thing that, you know, has always resonated with me. And when me, you say our human history. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah, it's a shared collective history. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. it's it, we're all connected. We're all yeah. we're all connected. So my history is your history and their history is our history. And so, you know, we can all learn. Right. It goes back mm -hmm. to the storytelling. We can all learn. And I think one thing that we, for whatever reason, probably because it doesn't uh, behoove those in power and with the ability to make this happen, you know, what they what they forget to mention is that Jewish folks got reparations, mm -hmm. right? A lot of people are still being paid by Germany mm -hmm. for the atrocities that happened. Yeah. And actually, they're also actively trying to return art and mm -hmm. other, you know, heirlooms mm -hmm. to the rightful owners. What have we done here? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What have we done? We've, we've treated folks the same way we treated the native americans put them in their little reservations although our reservations are called the projects right you know uh having grown up in mexico city in northern virginia i didn't really know what the projects were and then i came to richmond I, i'll never forget trying to get to vcu for the first time i came over over here to this side of town and was like whoa where am i mm -hmm. And it made me curious and it made me start seeking knowledge that was never shared with me. Mm -hmm. Never, never. And, you know, you think about growing up in affluent suburbia, although it's very, very diverse. Mm -hmm. And I'm very grateful for that. The fact of the matter is there was still a lot shielded from us. Mm -hmm. And we were raised with this notion that there was equality. Everyone has an equal opportunity. And that is a straight up myth. Right. You know, and um, and we also talk about, you know, the economic growth of, of our society. I mean, a lot of it stems from generational wealth. Mm -hmm. And so I've always, you know, since I've learned what I've learned, I've always said we need to somehow figure out a way to pay back. Yeah. pay back what we made off of, like you said, free labor mm -hmm. or, you know. Yeah, that goes farther than welfare and EBT cards and, sure. and Section 8 housing right. and all of that. Those are all just band-aids. And, and does that teach one how to, you know, respect their community? I, I often think about this, you know, why, despite having money channeled that way, do they remain 
in these situations it's because there's no mentorship there's no learning what respecting well, i think there's a fundamental distrust sure. of even like you know we were just in the very beginning we were talking about the gift of gab you know mm-hmm. like i chose to learn you know i don't think i chose actually my mother insisted that i learn proper king's english you know what i mean so you know funny. and she also insisted that i learn you know various manner table manners I was never able to sit at a dinner table with her and not have my hand in my lap, you know, and like, you know, that was just early training. And, you know, then, but I was also being exposed to lots of other ways of speaking English and lots Mm -hmm. of other ways of being, of behaving, because there was no monoculture in Churchill at that time. Mm -hmm. Like, there was like five middle class, like kind of Caucasian families, maybe six, and then the rest was African American, like 70s, 80s, and, um, then some old ladies, some old blue hairs that were had saved Churchill. And every one of those families did things differently. You know, they had different ideas of table manners. They had different ways that kids addressed their parents. Mm-hmm. Like I always had to say Mr. and, you know, Mrs. And like mm-hmm. some kids just called my parents by their first name. You know, there was just a little real diversity of that kind of thing. And I was like, why am I being indoctrinated right. with this particular kind of old school of type thing? But I was grateful for it later because it's a thing. It's a code I can switch to, right. you know, but I, I want to switch to that code because I know it'll, it'll get me what I want, you know, mm-hmm. but I think there's a fundamental, dist- there's a, a rebellion. Like, I don't want to switch to that code to get what I want. I want the code to switch to me, for sure. you know, and like, and a lot of people don't want to be flexible about that, understandably, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, this is the language of the oppressor right right right. you know and um but yet that so many of those things like yeah people will mentor you how to get out of ghetto but it's out of the ghetto into a prescribed culture Mm -hmm. that you may not want to be a part of (laughs) you may not even see any value in and and i think that there was a guy uh at the gym yesterday wearing a t-shirt that said entrepreneur and in the middle of it trap was Mm -hmm. highlighted yeah you know Mm -hmm. yeah no that's powerful for (laughs) sure and like I mean, I think a lot of the, you know, what it, the move towards like gangster stuff is really the same move that's always been there for people since they came over here. I want to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be beholden to some other, you know, I don't want to have to learn some way of making money from somebody else. I want to do my way. You know, I want to do the way that resonates with the culture that I belong to, mm-hmm. where I don't have to learn English the way that they speak English. I can speak English the way, you know. I speak English right. and, and all of my associates and my customers will, you know, meet me there and I can get paid there, mm-hmm. you know. And so these, the, I guess what I'm trying to say is there's an unfortunate aspect to people reaching down that is condescending, mm-hmm. you know, that to help elevate people. And then sometimes that hand is swatted away. It's like, I don't want that. Right. You know, I want help, but I want help on my terms. Right. I don't want to be, you know, groomed to be part of the, the what do you call it? The, um, God, it's like mega culture, but it's not that word. It's it's something like that. You know, I don't want to be groomed to be a men- member of your monoculture. Sure. Right. Right, yeah. <laughs> you no, know, it's... so then that's like, how do we, you know, how do you do that? How do you give people the leg up and respect the autonomy of the their wishes and desires and culture, you know? Right. And I think it's, I mean, it's fascinating everything you just mentioned, especially when we think about you know, besides this powerful movement that we're experiencing, we're also in the middle of a pandemic, which is really affecting 
business owners, small mm-hmm. business owners right now are really feeling the pinch more than probably ever before um, in this generation and maybe in the previous generation, we're experiencing yeah. a huge transfer of, of power. And, you know, you talk about being in that trap. You know, I know a lot of entrepreneurs right now feel like they're being in the trap. I mean, entrepreneurship today seems like it's all about. And for the record, I was talking trap like. No, I know what you're saying, okay. but, I, but it <laughs> but made you've, me you've, think yeah, about, yeah, yeah. It, is, about it is also a trap. Yeah. I mean, the trap is a trap. Yeah. Yeah. The trap is a trap. So let's playing the game is a trap. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. And I, I've been, I mean, you and I were talking about this the other day. It's like the games out there, you either play or get played. Right. And I want to get to the specific game that you play, which is poker, hey. which is very <laughs> interesting. But, um, you know, I've been playing the game and like after I got sober and I like decided to stop being a bohemian kind of rebel, mm-hmm. I found myself alone, mm. you know, out in the Midwest. And I was like, well, nobody's given me $20 like, you know, like my dad used to at least and I went over there to my laundry might slip me a 20. I'm like, that's not happening anymore. I'm living yeah. in a sober house. I'm starting my life over again and I'm working for eight, nine dollars an hour. And like all I cared about was like, I got to advance myself. I got to mm-hmm. get out of this. I'm 49 years old. I can't be here, mm-hmm. you know, and like that became my number one priority. Not fun, not pop culture, yeah. <laughs> nothing. I was like, sure. I'm OK. I I turned like I let the game play me for like this long. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna play it now, and I'm gonna get serious about playing it because time's a wasting. And before you know it, I'm gonna be old and infirm. So I got really I really focused on that, and it became like I, I have just woken up from that here because I've started to get that grumbling. Everybody's messing with my game. Can I know? ask you a question? <laughs> yeah. What was the catalyst? Was it? Was it economic prosperity that you were seeking? Security. What, security. And, yeah. and you would say that comes from being financially yeah, stable. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. Like being, you know, I didn't want to wind up like unable to buy food. Sure. You know, so basically I did m- much later in life what you've told me you did when you were a lot younger, you know, buy a house, you know, like, you know, try to own some dirt, mm-hmm. like have a, right. you know, put my money into that instead of paying rent, sure. you know, which just goes down a hole and, all that and try to figure out the balance there because I'm mainly just trying to look out for myself. Got to let your you know? money work for you, right? Yeah, and, and not at the expense of anybody else. Sure. But, you know, in, in like I basically felt like the best thing I could do for other people is take care of my shit. Definitely. So that like they don't have to clean up after me. They don't have to take care of me. They don't have to provide for me, you know, whatever. And I guess, you know, that's where my focus has been. And that basically my attitude has been that's what everybody else needs to be doing and we'll be fine. You know, and never mind the fact that basically I just had a skill set and I had I had all of this stuff just waiting like in a little trunk I could take out and I could be, you know, I could just join right up, Mm -hmm. you know, like there wasn't really anything stopping me except me. Right. You know, Um, but I part of the reason I was stopped is because I bought into that it was bullshit to be involved in capitalism. Mm -hmm. So I just didn't. I was like, I'm going to make as much money as I need to get by and drink beer and I'm going to play music and I'm going to whatever. Damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? Yeah, because I was a burden to other people. You know, the people who were risking their capital to open businesses, I was constantly screwing them over, you know, not working with doing what they were paying me to do, not showing up for work, doing a bad job when I was there, making lots of mistakes, costing them money. I had no regard for that because I was well indoctrinated as a you know a revolutionary countercultural person that mm-hmm. fucked them right 
you know fuck the man yeah you know and it's it's tough because but, you know it, it it's so true and yet so not true at the same time you know i mean it, it's tough because money is evil but money is also it's also evil. just shared value yeah exactly. like if you and i agree that that like well, when you're playing poker, for instance, you know, I, I imagine it's really not about the money. It's about the points, you know, that money represents points or poker chips represent points. They don't, you know, it, you're not thinking about it in the abstract of cash. You're winning. Right. And this represents you know, that's, winning. That you might know? be the case for 90 percent of professional poker players. But I got to remember that one dollar is 20 pesos and 20 right. pesos can get me a lot of food so i think about it actually very differently than probably most yeah and whether or not that's helped me or hindered me that can be debated but i definitely see it as money when i play and um at the end of the day for me it's not really about winning or losing it's about making the best decisions and then learning from the decisions that were made and the outcome right, right. and so poker for me has really come to to be my way of not participating in what I see as a very dangerous system. Mm -hmm. I do, and I, I will be the, also the first to tell you, I'm a capitalist, mm -hmm. I am absolutely a capitalist, but I don't see what we have happening right now in America, and frankly, probably all over the world, thanks to America's tentacles, as capitalism, right, it's, you know? It's, it's a very morphed and very toxic system we Well, have. the thing is, is that the, I guess, and I'm on the same page as you, because I, like, I I would consider myself functionally a capitalist, sure. not ideologically right. one. And I think we have a lot of people slinging stuff around where capitalism means the same thing as American monoculture right. or whatever. And it's a very simple thing. It's like I have this amount of capital. Right. I can write, you know, I can buy this thing and then I can sell it and I can make some profit. Sure. on that thing and um and i li i kind of like that game you know i like playing that game like you like playing poker that's what this is all about is like me find like strategy and like you know where i can find an opening but a thing i didn't get to before and and i apologize i mean this is such a wide-ranging thing is that my heart hardened as i was playing mm -hmm. this game you know because it was so much it even though I had a lot of help and I had a lot of emotional and spiritual support from other people, the actual, you know, the work of advancing a little bit at a time through the system that, or the process that I went through, I got very isolated. I was like, nobody else is looking out for me. I got to look out for me. Right. And then I got very like bitter in this weird way, like angry at the people that weren't doing that. And that were, I've started to perceive were getting in my way. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, God damn, man, I'm like, I'm turning into Archie Bunker or something. And like, that's really not me, like sure. my nature. But like, you know, Pema Chodron, who's um, a Buddhist, was talking about how you can get your you get hardened mm -hmm. in certain places. You get stiff, mm -hmm. you know, you stop being flexible. Right. And it especially happens to us as we get older, you know, and a lot of what I have fought is. Okay, look, I want all of these things that everybody wants, but I also don't want chaos mm -hmm. because I don't want anybody to get hurt so we can make this happen. Anybody else mm -hmm. <laughs> to get hurt. And now that ship sailed. Mm 
So I just had to accept the fact that people, the chaos is here. It is upon me whether I would wish it or not. (laughs) What is that from? (laughs) Oh, that's from Lord of the Rings. War is upon you whether you would wish it or not. (laughs) That that is exactly what it is. (laughs) And, And yeah, I mean, it's like people are not going along with the system and they're like now okay now so now i have to let that go that's what's happening you know and now it's opened me to the fact that i had gotten hardened Mm -hmm. that like in a lot of ways i've just been selfish i'm like i'm I'm like some homesteader out on the prairie and i'm just like you know just stay away from me yeah leave me alone let me do my thing well that's your peace you know you're just protecting your energy and and think of our essence as being porous Mm -hmm. Right. All you've done by hardening is kind of sealing those pores so that right. now you cannot be penetrated by the toxicities or the perceived. Toxicities. That's a very general, generous way of putting it. <laughs> no, but it's I think it's it's very pertainable, you know, um, because, you know, I'm someone who thinks that toxicity is everywhere. Everything mm-hmm. I do, really, I try to practice healing. Mm-hmm. And it might not be the conventional approach, uh, you know, whatever healing might mean for me isn't what healing is going to mean for you. But from the air that we breathe to the relationships that we create and foster, they're always changing, they're always evolving. Toxicity permeates. And so we always need to be practicing healing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then obviously with, with playing poker, you know, you can get really mad at yourself for making bad decisions, healing, always healing, right. heal, heal your mind, heal your body, heal mm-hmm. your spirit and, and heal your energy bubble. And so if you're, if healing for you means, you know, distancing and, and being reclusive, then that's, that's totally acceptable because at least at that point, you're not being toxic to someone else. Right. right? And that is the main thing I've been working on because I've discovered that I have these pockets of pain and toxicity and i i don't like that word when it's referred to people especially like if people have been in a romantic relationship and then somebody wants to absolve themselves Mm -hmm. of responsibility in that relationship and they say oh it was very toxic relationship by that i mean they were toxic right right you know the girl or the guy you know just be the chemical reaction that's exactly what i say every time i'm like both of those individuals might just be fine on their own, Absolutely. but you put them together and you get toxic. You right. know, it's like bleach and chlor. And like, what is it? Um, ammonia and bleach. You know, ammonia is great by itself. Bleach, great by itself. Put them together, gas. Right. You know, I forget what kind of gas it is, but it'll kill you. Yes. You know, some guy p- bought an RV with all this hardened, you know, poo and pee in the tank, and he poured bleach in there, and not good. Bam. Yes. You know, it's like mustard gas yeah. <laughs> or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, what I, I tend to think of this, and, and this is my personal experience, and I, I, I think everyone, you know, has got some wound that makes them do what they're doing, mm-hmm. you know? I don't think anybody, well, there might be some people, some psychos that are like, I really want to hurt people. Sure. But most people, the hurting Those is... Those are the, the psychopaths, right, to be clear. Right, exactly. <laughs> like our president now. <laughs> yeah, well, I think he's the kind of psychopath oh, that when people call him a narcissist, I think that really means he is clinically a narcissist. You Absolutely. know what I mean? Not like he picked that. Right, no, I think But so. like the guy's fucked up, you right. know? And, and he's been insulated and he's been in a bubble and he hasn't had to learn or grow or change or anything. And I, you know, I tend to look at him as an example of who not to be and how not to be rather than demonize him. You know, like I'd say, look, I don't want to be like that. And like, I try to look at where am I, where am I like that? So funny story. Um, my kid is extremely bright, very intelligent, very wise, definitely an old soul, but we were struggling to get her to read, man. She just did not want to read for whatever reason. 
And I'll never forget we had a meeting with her. Uh, I guess this was first grade teacher. And, um, and she was like, Ashley, I just don't know. I don't know. Like, I know she can do it. She just doesn't want to. And I was like, man, how can I get through to her? And, and, you know, by the nature of who I am, my kid has been exposed to philosophical concepts and politics her whole life. And so I sat down with her and I said, Sophia, you know, the issue with most Trump supporters is that they don't want to take in the knowledge. They don't want to read. Do you want to be like that? Do you want to be one of those people? Or do you want to break out of that and embrace knowledge and not be like the Trump supporters and mm-hmm. in, in the Trump, you know, cults? And she was like, oh, definitely not going to be like them. And within a week she was reading. So it's funny that you mentioned how to not be, mm-hmm. you know, I hate to say it, but they are just very insulated. They don't want to hear, you know, opposing anything and and they reject that and that's how I, I felt like that was kind of like our our little you know speed bump to get yeah. into uh to the next level of, of, of reading so it, it's funny because you know that's exactly and that's why we share stories right because right. that's trump's story trump's story is is his story and while he might feel it to be a success and others might feel it to be a success many of us see it very differently. Well, it's just such an example of everything that is wrong about um, capitalism is that, you know, he, like a lot of guys at, at that level, is protected by loopholes mm-hmm. in tax law and and the fact that an LLC is a different entity than you, you know, that sure. a cor- like you are not responsible for your what your business owes people. Right. You know, right. and like when you get in that mentality, it's all about using things that are there to protect people to your advantage to fuck people over, right. you know, and that's a, a game that he was also brought into and indoctrinated sure. into. And it is a, you know, definitely a big game that's out there. It's like doesn't matter whether it's ethical, is it legal? Right. You know, exactly. and can I get away with it based on my lawyer's ability to work within the law and then the judge's ability exactly. to judge the law. Well, and that's the scary part is the complete infiltration, right? Because it's also the access to the capital to then, you know, pull the strings. It's the, uh, you know, infiltrating the laws and, and legislative system. And so, you know, changing the laws to their benefits um, and then obviously appointing judges or just not well, following them. You know? And like, that's the thing that's the scariest to me about right now is that at least all of these other movements, there was a clear thing that could be done. There's a law that can be changed, mm-hmm. whether it was women voting mm-hmm. or black people voting or the civil rights act, you know, desegregation, like all of these things came with a thing that could be done. Those things have been done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and right. now it's like either people are figuring out ways not to obey those laws right. or they just move away from where the laws apply, exactly. which is what happened here, you know, and like, you know, desegregation happens in the schools and like a lot of other things at the same time. And the people who have the tax base just took their money over to Henrico and over to Chesterfield and left Richmond you know, with no money right. to pay for the schools, <laughs> to yeah. pay for everything that was needed. They're like, well, fix you. You're going to make, you can tax us. All right, well, then we just leave, right. you know? And that's, you know, that's what people are like, I think constantly, and fear drives that and being mm-hmm. told stories um, about what's going to happen if you let this happen. The, the what you ifs, know? right? Yeah. The what ifs, instead mm-hmm. of just 
having faith and knowing that you're doing your best kind of like when I play poker, right? I'm just going in. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of what ifs. I can make the same decision time and time again and receive a a very different outcome. Because you're not in control of all the variables. No, no. And it's, I mean, it's such a great analogy to life, you know, Mm. where, where we can make the best decisions and have a really shitty outcome or make the worst decisions and then have an amazing outcome. It's really mind blowing. And so, you know, you, I've just learned to parallel the way I live life and the way I make decisions in life to how I make decisions in, in poker. Um, because you know, you can't control everything, but you have to go in hoping for the best. Right. And you said faith. That is my operative thing too. I, I'm like, I hope I'm I'm not trying to steal this, the ball from you or the conch. Go for it. But um, my my ADD can uh, take me to many other. Well, you and I can definitely go toe to toe (laughs) with with talking. And and I I really, I, I think, I think we're talking about the same thing. And I think we're like, we're fundamentally agree. You know, and like I've said in the beginning, my lens is totally down to this like program. You know, Twelve step stuff is all about like looking at myself, mm-hmm. looking at where I'm. My decisions are based on fear and selfishness, or where my and then uh, trying to align myself with making decisions based on this is the right thing to do, even if it's not going to get me what I want right now, Absolutely. or it's not going to protect me from losing what I have. I have to totally throw out that kind of thinking, Mm -hmm. you know, and in my case, it's like if I get that out of balance and that messed up, then I have a toxic thing that I want to start putting in my body when I feel really bad. So, you know, my my motivation is to like maintain like my level of toxic, you know, Mm -hmm. to keep myself from getting too toxic emotionally so I won't get chemically toxic. You know, it's not about like highfalutin ideals. It's totally practical. It's like. You do the right thing and you keep your conscience clean so that right. you don't have shame, right. so that you don't then feel like I'm, I'm a piece of crap, so therefore I don't deserve to live and I might as well just commit suicide yeah. in slow motion mm-hmm. with alcohol and drugs. You know? And it's just this complete, it's this practice. It's a spiritual practice to just be like, I'm going to do the right thing. I don't know where this is going. I'm not the boss. I'm not in control. I don't have a crystal ball. I can't see the future. And in fact, my imagination or projection of the future is totally based on me and my conditioning. Mm -hmm. I can only entertain the options that I'm able to entertain. You know, you can only see the outcomes that you have experience with, you know, and like when you turn your yourself over to just like doing the next right thing, which is operating on faith, Mm -hmm. is what you're talking about. Then you're like, I'm, I'm responsible for the effort, not Mm -hmm. the outcome. Absolutely. And it's the same thing is that you can, and and also bad outcome, good outcome, that's only wherever you drop the brackets in time. Right, exactly. You know, yeah. this game, this hand, mm-hmm. you know, like, <laughs> right? Because right? it's, it's you, merely a sample, you know, right. of of the long term scenarios. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no, it's 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 very powerful. We think about time, right? And how, okay, well. M- I have a goal. I need to accomplish it in this amount of time. You know, I've, I've stopped thinking that way because mm-hmm. you get disappointed when you don't accomplish said goal right. and said time. Right. And then we realize, and you're well, doing I, all your living for that right. thing off in the you've future. Put, yeah. You've put all of your efforts and all of your energy into accomplishing this thing in this time frame. And so I've just let go. I don't give myself like monthly goals. I don't give myself weekly goals. I mean, I have, 
I have a desire. Mm-hmm. Sure, I have desires, and I think desires you have are to healthy. Have desires, are you right? But I don't have per se a finite goal because being disappointed like that, it just it doesn't make sense. You know, it, to me, it doesn't make sense to have that disappointment. It's better to be uh, flexible. It's better to be. Um, you know, open-minded to a myriad of different outcomes and accepting and then learning. That word is, is a big one, accepting, accepting right? For and sure. I did not intend to bring so much stuff back to the whole 12-step no, thing. No, I think it's But great. there's a thing that we, we talk about a lot in acceptance, and there's actually this section of a guy's personal story that people recite like a prayer practically. Mm. It's like acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. Mm. You know, and initially I took acceptance as resignation, Hmm. you know, that like I just got to take a beating, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's not what it means. It means like if somebody's trying to give you a gift, you got to accept it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like you can't like I can't give you a gift if you won't accept it. And like the universe is trying to give us a gift every day. It's trying to offer itself to us every day. But most of us are living like, no, I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that. Right. I want this. Right. <laughs> like, I have my heart set on this specific thing and you're not able to see all that's being offered to you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and, and acceptance is a way for me to open my eyes to see what's being offered. Not, and not, then that thing that's being offered might be way better than what I had my heart set oh, yeah. on. You Oftentimes know? it is. And, and we don't even realize it at that time, mm-hmm. right? But it might be a year, two years, three years later. You look um, back in the rearview mirror and you're like, damn, look at that. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, every every job I've been fired from, you know, instead of beating myself up, I just accepted it and was like, all right, what are we doing next, mm-hmm. you know? And I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for, you know, all of those situations. Um, but yeah, I just have to accept, you know, that we're doing our best, we're putting out our best efforts, that we're willing to learn we're willing to you know receive and ultimately grow there you go here you have it hour number one with curtis and ashley three more to go uh i tried to find a good spot where to stop that but i couldn't really so stopped it at an hour so I'm going to try and post these weekly. This is uh, first part here, end of August. And Lord willing and the crick don't rise, we'll get an hour a week of this podcast and I'll be recording some new ones as we go. And um, if you would like more podcasts, and by the way, this is not only on iTunes now, I've got it on Stitcher and Spotify. Loud ass Pharaoh Sanders saxophone. Hey, oh yeah, yesterday was uh, Alice Coop Coltrane. Alice Coltrane, that's who we're listening to. Yesterday was her birthday. And uh, yeah, this song is Journey. This is Stopover Bombay from the album Journey and Sachinandanda. And Sachinandanda Guru, Sachinandanda, Sri Swami. Sachinandana started Yogaville in Buckingham County, Virginia. Apparently, I've never been there. Um, but yeah, yesterday was her birthday. She's always a good time. Listen to her. There's a great album, Pata the Old Dude. It's another album of hers that I really love. Interesting woman. 
multi-instrumentalist. Love this mashup of blues and Indian folk music and jazz and all that. Hey, uh, so yeah, I got this on three platforms now. There's a website, tantricconversation.com, and you can go to tantricconversation.com and leave comments about these podcasts. You can also go to the donate button and you can make a little contribution just to let me know that you care if you ever want to do that. Um, I do. Thank you. And um, here's to uh, getting this thing going again. I know I've said that before, but just keep trying, right? Oh, yeah. I love the way this little thing ends. Until next time, namaste, motherfuckers. Peace out.